You're listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with your host, Scott Albrecht and Michael Neal of Service Star Consulting. Today, we get to talk about, I got a promotion. That's a good thing, right? It, it just, it really talks about what we've been talking about in this podcast, which is if you keep doing the things that got you promoted, it will get you fired as a manager. This is the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal, Executive Director and Founder of Service Star Consulting. Service Star has been helping credit unions grow for over 20 years in three growth areas leadership development, cultural development, and management development. If you're interested in learning how Service Star can help your credit union, check out ServiceStarConsulting.com. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3. Mike, what's the challenge in managing people who used to be peers of yours? Yeah, um, I think it's just one of those things where people aren't giving guidance on how to navigate that. And, and I think especially in credit unions, uh, we, we promote people uh, who were great at the job operationally into areas in which they've been peers with people for a while. And then or even more challenging, they promote you from another area as a line person into a position of management. And now you're going into an area where maybe they have, the employees, more understanding operationally of how to do the job than you do. So where do you start there? We've just not done a great job of equipping people and there's just answers for how to do it well. And so that's what this podcast is about. That's what our upcoming um, product is for, is to help our clients be able to navigate that better. That's right. And some of the key attributes and skills uh, may be different for success at an individual contributor level than what it takes to be a team leader. Can you cover just real quick attributes and skills of an individual contributor that would uh, make somebody successful in that kind of a role? Yeah. When you're an individual contributor, how do you get promoted? Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. I'll be happy to do it. Is there anything I can do for you? Sure, I'll do that. Hey, I'd like to learn this. Can you teach me more about that? I'll take care of it. She doesn't like to do it. I'm fine. I've got the time. I'll do it. So you say yes to everything with a great attitude and you learn about the operation. Then they promote you to manager. And guess what? Everything changes. What I say about it, Scott, is this. It's the first promotion that you get where if you keep doing the things that got you promoted, you'll get fired for it. All right? Because what have we found out in our research that we did with the Philene Research Institute? You've got to be able to make decisions. You've got to be able to manage your time, meaning not have your time managed for you. You've got to be willing to say, well, I can't do that right now, but I can do it later. Is one o'clock good? You've got to be able to engage your staff. You've got to be able to develop your staff, not just keep you engaged and develop you. And there's a big difference between me motivating me and me developing me and me getting someone who may not be engaged and someone who may not want to be developed to desire both of those. So it completely gets flipped on its ear. And what most managers do is because they don't know how to make that transition, they just start being the Uber employee in the department. I'm doing more of the work than anybody. I'm the go-to person for all the answers. Uh, Nobody's going to outwork me. Nobody's going to out-effort me. And guess what? Now you're not even a manager. You're just kind of like a work supervisor. (laughs) 
So, and it happens over and over and over again. You know, then your boss starts asking you to work on this project, do that. And you're thinking, you know, I'm already working X numbers of hours a week. You know, how am I going to do this? Answer, you're not, unless you figure out how to do it differently. And a lot of people just don't ever get there, unfortunately. So the, temp- the temptation would be that once they're promoted, they kind of lean on the things that got them promoted. Kind of like maybe a, a minor league pitcher uh, would lean on a certain type of, of style of pitching. But as he progresses through the, the ranks, he may actually need to be coached on how to do it differently um, because it, the way that he did it to get to the minor leagues um, isn't going to actually cut it in the major leagues. Is that, what, is, is that about what we're saying here? Yeah, that's a perfect analogy, Scott, actually. You know, if you're a minor league pitcher with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, well, you're going to strike out AAA batters uh, with uh, one pitch. Uh, Then when you get to the major leagues, if you don't have a curveball, if you don't have a slider, then you got guys that have a lot more bat speed than they do at AAA. And that ball is going to go back at you as fast as it came at them. Uh, not good physics there. So you got to learn how to trick them with another pitch. And that's why there's a lot more players that play in AAA ball and a lot fewer players that play at the major league level because not everybody's able to develop those skills. And I think it's similar as a manager. Unfortunately, sometimes what we do is we promote people into positions based on their, their commitment and their effort and their, um, uh, job knowledge without even thinking about do they have the type of personality where they can kind of confront difficult issues with an employee who's not performing well. And so you've got to come up with additional things to do that are management related, leadership related. You can't just be the super employee of your team. And that actually brings me up to a quote that I remember. Um, George Ordjorn uh, says, "Coaching subordinates isn't an addition to the manager's gene, uh, manager's job. It's an integral part of it." And so, when we get into that manager role, we keep on doing tasks and we put off the coaching. Is is this what you've seen in your experience as well? Yeah, there's two reasons for that. Number one. Uh, if your employer doesn't invest you in management training, well, then you don't even know what it looks like. In fact, you may look at peers around and go like, she's not really good at it. He's not really good at it. I've worked for them. I know they're not good at it. So that's, and so if I don't get trained that teaches me what to do, what am I going to do? Now, I do believe that you need to take personal ownership of your learning And that's why we have Vertex Live Nationwide, which is our course where managers from all over the country can sign up on their own and go through our management training program. They don't have to wait for the credit to commit to it. They can learn it on their own. But the other thing is that, you know, you haven't been trained. But the other thing simply is that I like being good at the stuff. I like being good at what I know. I know the tactical side. I know the technical side. I know the procedural side. Uh, I'm the Sven Gala, they all come to you like, Jamie, is it okay if I you know, do it like this? Oh, great idea. But what do, I, what do I not have experience with? Management skills. So even after you've trained me, I've got a desire to implement things I'm not comfortable with because I haven't done them before. And some managers, this is where they bail out. Even after the training, they're like, you know, this is kind of yucky. 
meeting with Tim and saying, hey, what are you going to do differently because you can't keep doing this because Tim gets upset and he won't talk to me and then we got a whole thing. So it's just, I don't like the discomfort. And so why don't I just do this? Why don't I just do my job and expect everybody else to do their job? If they're not doing their job, then I'll eventually have to deal with it. Well, that's not what leaders do, right? They actually develop people that are already performing adequately to be even better. But, you know, the idea is give me training. That's one thing. The next thing is if you get training, using it is uncomfortable because it's new. And are you willing to do that? And if not, they just kind of retrench back more deeply into these tactical level behaviors. And uh, it's a bad recipe. Yeah, I, ca- I call that the, the buddy blinder. You know, you put the <laughs> blinders on because your, your buddy you used to go out with beers uh, after work with is, is underperforming. So you just hope it changes without actually addressing it. Let's address that. Hey, you know, Credit Union Leadership Podcast, we're going to train you guys a little bit here. Uh, credit unions are a family dynamic. How does the spiritual, uh, emotional relationship change? Can we still go out for beers after work? Yeah, no, you can't. Um, so that's one thing that people don't really think about. Well, I think they think about it. They still had to change that relationship. So, you know, one day you're out to lunch with your buddy talking about how bad your boss is, and now you're the bad boss. <laughs> so how do you have that transition? I think it's just so important to be really transparent. You know, you sit down with each of your employees and you go, this is weird and this is uncomfortable because this is not what we're used to doing, you know, and I want to find out what you're expecting of me. And I want to tell you what I'm expecting of you as an employee and then uh, how it's going to be different now because it has to be because you don't go out to lunch with everybody at the same time. You go out to lunch with them one-on-one or two-on-one. And some of them, you're going to go out to lunch with more than others if you do that. And that's just going to create this space for people to go, well, uh, she hasn't gone to lunch with me yet. Uh, she's gone to lunch with Stacy three times and only me once. So uh, everybody knows, you know, Stacy's your favorite. It, it just creates all this problem. And um, so I'm not saying that you can't ever interact with your employees, but outside of the work time, you gotta be really careful. Go out with your team or in our Zoom world, have lunch together as a group via Zoom. And and the respect that you earn as a peer is more of like a, a mutual misery. Like we're in the trenches together. You know, we're, we're here on Friday till 530 together. We're out serving the member together. It's kind of, you have like that almost like a boot camp feel from a peer standpoint, but respects is not earned at least at, at that same level in a management uh, type standpoint. You know, you have to be fair, consistent. It sounds like you, you just said you have to establish behaviors. You would want that new team leader to see in others because it's going to be different than the old boss. Can you go into that a little bit specifically? What's the conversation sound like 
when maybe I've got some proclivities. I stole that word from you, by the way, Mike, uh, <laughs> that is, they're different. The old manager, uh, might've been all about dressing up, uh, nice for work. Whereas, um, I, if I hear the word try, I'm going to lose it. How do we kind of have that? How do we set the stage for success with that kind of conversation? Yeah. Good question. Uh, and really relevant and timely because we had that question come up yesterday in Vertex Live Nationwide. You know, somebody said, as a relatively new manager who's managing people that used to be their peers, you know, um, how do I start coaching people who've never been coached? And, you know, it's difficult because you have employees who have these embedded behaviors and work expectations based on other managers who may not have had high expectations, who may not have had high standards. And even if they did, how you're going to interact with them is going to be different than the previous manager. And again, transparency always wins. So my answer is transparency always wins. So so what you have to do is you have to decide, what is it that I expect from my employees? So I figured that out early on. So some things, they became my personal value system as a manager. And rather than holding that to me and waiting for somebody to violate it and say, uh, don't ever say no problem. Don't say, take it easy. Don't say, have a good one. I hate that. I would say, hey, here's how we address our members. You know, uh, may I help you? Uh, thank you for coming in. What else could I do for you? Three things I never want to hear you say, you know, take it easy, have a good one, no problem. That is not the level that I want our conversations to be with members. And they and they may think, oh, he's a weirdo, but they're like, okay, noted. So they know that. And then I'll say, hey, when you come into work late, to me, it has nothing to do with the personnel policy. It is all about the perception that work doesn't matter as much to you as it does to all the people that came into work on time. So you need to be to work on time. And if you can't be to work on time because of something unusual, you call. You don't text. Text is too formal or too informal. You call and you say, by the way, you all should be driving. <laughs> so it should be illegal. So you call me. You tell me where you're at, what time you expect to be there, and why you're late. Because that's not to respect me and my position. It's respecting the work. So I can let everybody know, hey, Stacy's going to be a little late. She got stuck in traffic. And, you know, if you're dumb enough to show up with a McDonald's coffee cup in your hands, well, you know, that's on you uh, after that. But the idea is laying out these expectations so everybody knows what you expect. And then the follow-up question, what do you expect of me? Now we've, you know, in our business, Scott, we have to do client management. If we say, I'm going to give you a product knowledge manual, we're going to charge you X amount of money. And then we give them something and they created their own idea of what a product knowledge manual looks like. Maybe it looks like something completely different than we produce. And they go, I can't believe we paid that much money for this thing. This isn't a product knowledge manual to me. That's my fault. I should have said, let me show you a sample of our product knowledge manual and see what you think of it. Now we've managed client expectation. It's the same thing as a new manager. You've got to manage your client's expectations. Here's what you can expect from me. Here's what I expect from you. And what is the gap between that, uh, Mr. or Ms. employee, uh, for me to deliver to you? And you work through that. It's so important to set those expectations early. 
But so many managers don't, well, I think almost all managers have just have not sat down and thought in a very construct way, what are my values? What are the things? And I would start with this. What sets me off when I see it happen, when I hear people say it? Uh, what are the things that I expect people just that should know? They should know this already. Most people don't. You start there, and now you've got the beginning of what to explain to an employee, what you expect. And there's a difference between pet peeves and culture setting expectations. Oh. So you you'll set aside some of the stuff like, hey, your 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 hair is parted and it's kind of in your face and it's <laughs> driving me nuts. Uh, but but you want to set the tone for what the experience is going to be. And so that's really where you're focusing in on behaviors because behaviors change the outcome. So if the, if the behavior is I'm going to keep on finishing this email versus standing up and making eye contact with the member, well, you're going to change the outcome in a, in a negative way. Cause that member is going to think, wow, okay, that email is more important. I have no clue who you're emailing, but I'm here in person. Uh, I'd like some service today. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you're, you're making a really good point there. And when you say the experience, we're talking about the internal experience that the team members experience working together and the external spirit experience that the member exhibits. So, for example, one of my values is this, you know, don't come to me to complain about a coworker unless you're willing to uh, work with me to work through it. Right. Um when you've got problems with coworkers, it's an 80-20 rule. You own 80% of it, I own 20% of it. I'll give you advice on how to handle it, but I'm not going to handle it for you. So uh, never say anything about an employee, uh, never say anything about a coworker that you're not willing to say to their face. So I've got all these things that have just registered over the years. I can just you know pop them off because I've thought about it because I want to have a good experience for employees working with each other and um, now, obviously, I'm going to have to redirect from time to time, but I want them to understand what my expectations are as they work together and with the member. And so experience, being that 360-degree experience, is really, really important. And you got to establish what it looks like to you. Yeah. And, and really, really successful coaches in, in the college space, when they come into a new program, you'll see them put different paint on the walls and, and you know, change sayings around and, and just kind of build a structure for the, what success is going to look like under that new leadership uh, regime. We see in the, in the credit union space, some of the same old, same old, just to kind of keep peace. Maybe, um, you know, uh, remember, remember uh, National Treasure, uh, keep the status quo, you know, Nick Cage's dad, Nick, keep the status mm -hmm. quo. I think a lot of the new managers are kind of like, oh, I don't want to change a whole bunch of stuff right away. And they they lose that aspect of, of setting expectations because they're trying to yeah. keep the status quo. Yeah, and I don't blame them. I, I really don't blame them for feeling that way. Because that's the easiest thing to do right now, right? So it's the easiest thing to do. So what do you do? Many people do the easiest thing to do. What's more challenging to sit down with people one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, here's how it's going to be different in my mind. How's it going to be different in your mind? What's the easiest thing to do? Hey, everybody. Well, let's go. <laughs> and just pretend like it's not happening. Ignore the reality of it. And then just deal with the things that come up or ignore them. Right. Mm -hmm. And of course, now, does that make you an effective manager? No, it makes you terribly ineffective. It makes you a manager that might not be a manager for long. So that, that brings up accountability, right? Yeah. So what happens when standards aren't being met? 
Um, are you, how do you uphold the standards if they're not clearly explained and communicated? How do you kind of determine if someone on your team's, you know, actually understanding that there's a different tone here? There's a different yeah. set of expectations. Yeah, it's really hard to hold an employee accountable for something they're not aware that they should or should not be doing, right? So it's really hard to do that. I mean, people do it, but you know, it's it's like the lab rat who gets shot because he made the wrong turn in the maze. You know, they they didn't give him the map. They just said, "Oh, let's see how much he can be shot before he'll give up on getting to the cheese." It's a desire to get the cheese greater than his avoidance of being shot. What are they finding on that research? The rat gives up before they get to the cheese. Same thing with employees. We don't set expectations. What do we do? Hey, oh, I don't No, Yeah, don't do it like that. No, I don't like when you say that. No, we should never, ever do that. And the, well, what they do is like, I'm just not gonna do anything. I just won't do anything. Well, then you can't have a high performing team there. So to me, Scott, the answer to the question is you, really can't effectively hold people accountable to values and expectations that have not been explained. Thanks, Mike. And thanks to the listeners. Um, If you have questions about the peer to manager transition, email me, scott at servicestarconsulting.com. By doing so, you'll get a free copy of a book that we use in our training often. What got you here won't get you there. And we're excited to get you where you want to go on your credit union journey in management and leadership. This is the Credit Union Leadership Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode.